BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Happy 420 Freckled Foodie family. Fuck do I have a relevant episode for all of you. I'm really pumped to share today's episode. And honestly, the comical thing is that I had not planned for this to purposely release on 420. Like I wasn't even aware of it when I was putting like the schedule of episodes and interviews all together. And then when I was texting Vic to let her know when the episode came out, I was like, holy shit, how goddamn timely it's getting released on 420. So happy 420 to all of you who partake on the holiday. Um, today's episode is a really good one. It is with Vic Styles, who is a lifestyle and content creator and influencer promoting sustainable fashion and clean beauty. But she is also the CEO of Black Girl Smoke, which is a cannabis-friendly space curated for women of color by women of color, focused on erasing stigmas, color lines, and gender biases in the weed industry. And she is also the CEO of Good Day Floor, which is an actual flower that they are currently in the production stages of that hopefully one day soon our LA or California listeners will be able to purchase in dispensaries and our New York listeners will hopefully be able to purchase soon once our city and state gets their ish together. Today's episode, honestly, I found really fucking awesome, not only because I made a new friend, this was my first time meeting Vic, but also I just think it's a very honest conversation about weed, why we love it, what the issues are with the stigmas around weed, um, why we are big proponents of trying to break those stigmas. And then we honestly get into very openly and candidly um, the history of racism when it comes to the stigmas around weed. Vic is a black woman and we talk about how I can use my white privilege to help break down the stigmas around weed. We talk about why a lot of white people specifically um, have problems or hold stigmas around weed in comparison to alcohol and how that is really honestly rooted in racism. Like this conversation goes a ton of different ways. We also talk about shrooms. So this one is really for anyone, whether you are a weed smoker, edible taker, just a fan of the cannabis plant, this one is definitely for you. If you are someone who is curious about weed and maybe looking to enter into the marijuana space, this one is also for you. Or if you're just a Freckled Foodie family member who likes the podcast, then this one is definitely for you. So thank you guys so much for listening as always. I so appreciate your support. And without further ado, here is Vic. Vic. 
Vic, I'm really, really excited to have you because I've been following you for like a very long time because of Olivia. Okay. So shout out Olivia Nosita. I love you so much. Yes. Um, She had like tagged you in something a very long time ago and I was like, oh, let me check this girl's page out. And your aesthetic is so wonderful. And like I am the least aesthetic person ever, but I – appreciate other people's aesthetics and I really loved your page and then when you started doing everything with Good Day Floor and Black Girl Smoke I was like I need to have her on the show because we need to talk about all of this so I'm very pumped thank you thank you so much for for having me and for your kind words I don't feel like I'm an aesthetic girl anymore so that means a lot no but I think you're one of those people that you're not trying to be aesthetic you just you've got that vibe you've got like a, a an amazing aesthetic cool vibe that is effortless thank you i'll you know? take that yeah. i mean look at your outfit <laughs> it, you're, you're effortless cool effortlessly thank you cool. um so i want to dive right in okay cannabis weed industry what term do you prefer cannabis weed? i use both it okay. kind of depends on who i'm talking to mm-hmm. like if it's like business shit can i cuss oh my god yes i don't curse a lot but a i do bit. curse a lot okay so good don't worry <laughs> i fuck is every word out of my Perfect. mouth <laughs> if it's like business shit then cannabis but like yeah. if i'm talking to my friends i'm just not saying can't like do you want to come over and smoke this cannabis no i would never say <laughs> saying weed i feel the same way but when i speak about it I try to say cannabis. And again, I think this goes into a topic we'll get into of like trying to destigmatize it and like make it seem more, I don't know if it's legitimate to some people where cannabis holds like a more proper, like it should be respected in my opinion. I feel that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that it takes away the stigma, yes. even the hurt and trauma surrounding mm-hmm. the plant. I think that calling it by its actual like plant name and not by its street name right. definitely elevates it a little bit. Do you ever say marijuana? Yeah. Yeah. I say all the things. Yeah. <laughs> Even like my mom calls it roses in the attic. I don't know I've where that came me that. I don't know where it came from, but like I call it that when I'm talking to her. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it just depends. I love that. So I'm selfishly curious. Your history with weed, cannabis, marijuana, roses in the attic. What does that look like? Like take us way back to the beginning of like the first time you trying it. Yeah, way back. 20, way back. 20 plus years ago, I was 15 okay. and I skipped school. I skipped school a lot actually. <laughs> but this particular day I skipped school and I went to smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> and where are you? Where did you grow I'm up? I'm in D.C. Okay. Um, I grew up all over. My dad was in the military so we okay. moved around a lot. Um and I skipped school to smoke weed. And it was the most calm and euphoric I had ever felt in my 15-year-old life. It's heaven. And immediately <laughs> I was hooked. Um, I didn't really become a real stoner until I moved to L.A. in 2010 because cannabis culture there is just thriving and booming. Mm-hmm. Um and so I was able to like see a store, like a dispensary and like walk in and things were like packaged very prettily. And that just intrigued me because where I went to college and where my parents live, Alabama, it's very taboo. So to go from there to California, my eyes were completely wide open. Like, oh, 
Like what? Yeah. So where where did you go to college? I went to University of Alabama. Wow. Yeah. How was that? It was interesting. Um, I had lived in the North most of my life, D.C., okay. but like also traveled. We have no family in the South. So moving to the South from D.C., it was a culture shock for me. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is like the language and the lingo different, but even just like the culture around marriage and religion and education and, and race. Yeah. And feminism, all of those things are so different. And I honestly didn't like it. I couldn't let me to leave. I mean, yeah, but but yet you went to you know. So, did you go to University of Alabama while your parents were living? Yeah, in my Alabama? parents moved there when I was okay. twenty, and so I moved as well Got and it. went to school there. Okay. Now that this fifteen-year-old Vic, who's now trying weed for the first time and is in euphoria, yes. What was the rest of your high school experience like with weed, and like what were your parents aware of? Because that's something that always interests me. Of like, I was someone who. My parents were very comfortable with alcohol. Okay. Like when I was younger, it was like, okay, if you want to drink, here's a drink. But like because of that, I was never the girl that was like blacked out throwing up at the parties having to be taken care of because it was just, okay, here, if this is what you want, you can have it. But like let me have your keys or you're staying here or my parents hosted the parties, you know? That's the kind of parent I want to be. Me too. I I want to be the cool parent where like my kid can tell me anything. Same, but I also then think about how like – I don't know how they slept at night knowing that, like, we were all in their, like, barn getting drunk. Like, that's a lot of responsibility. That's a whole separate conversation. But my dad was a big weed smoker back in the day as a kid. Okay. But then, like, corporate world, my parents were not, like, smoking. And it was always, like, don't do drugs. It was, like, alcohol is okay, but don't do drugs, which I'm now – have a very interesting relationship with because I'm like six weeks not drinking. And congrats kinda, on that. Thanks. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious, like, what was did your parents know you smoked? What was that like? So I I don't know if you heard me, but my dad was in the military. Right. That's why I'm very <laughs> surprised. Not even my dad was a very high ranking officer in okay. the military. So he may not even know to this day that I smoke. No, he knows now. But <laughs> you just run away. Yeah, weed. dad like did not know until maybe like last year oh, that I wow. smoked weed. My okay. mom, however, is an herbalist, okay. and she actually believes that marijuana is a healing plant. Mm-hmm. And growing up, I never really took any over-the-counter medications: no Advil, no Tylenol, no cold meds. My wow. mom would always give me herbs. So when I did start smoking weed, I was comfortable enough to tell her, yeah. you know, I like this this thing um, and she was able to explain to me what plant medicine is and the way that it impacts me the way that this plant could actually help heal me on an emotional and a spiritual level so that was really cool to be able to talk to my mom about that but we hid it from my dad and what was this reaction like a year ago when he finally was like filled in we haven't talked to him I haven't talked to him about it he knows because he obviously knows that like I have this business but he's just like I don't want to hear about it. Whatever you do is like your thing, but it's still illegal where I live. So that's that. Do you feel that kind of depicts how some of the country views weed? Absolutely. I think that we've been so misinformed about what this plant is and what it can do that it's closed people's minds. You know, I even have friends that are like, oh, I'm never taking that. But yet you'll take Midol for cramps and THC will help alleviate the cramps without the side effects. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I get it. It's just um, – it's a narrative. Yeah. I think it's also 
I'm currently, as we're recording this, listening to a book on tape called Quit Like a Woman. That's all about. Ooh. It's a really good book if you're interested. Do you drink alcohol? Not anymore, but okay. I used to. So it's a really interesting book about um, deciding to no longer drink. It's honestly about being sober, which I am not because I do partake in cannabis. Um, but it's fascinating and it's like completely makes me rethink the relationship we all have as a world with alcohol and why, especially as someone who likes weed, like why is weed the one that is like still illegal in some places, but also there's such stigma around it where it's a healing plant and alcohol is quite literally a poison, but like you're pressured to drink. You're judged if you don't drink, but then with weed, you're judged if you're the one smoking. Yeah. I had a follower reach out to me over Christmas break and she was like, yo, I really want to thank you for Black Girl Smoke because this is the first Christmas that I told my family, actually, I don't drink. I'm going to go outside and smoke my joint. Hell yeah. And I felt that because there is this level of discomfort when you're like, no, you know, I don't partake in alcohol. And people Mm -hmm. look at you like, what? Right. Um, And then you spark up and it's like a whole different there's a judgment attached to it that isn't attached to alcohol absolutely so we when did you stop drinking i want to say so i will still drink wine okay um occasionally liquor probably january wow yeah like i i would only have drinks if i would go out because of the social pressure i would feel weird like not having something in my hand mm-hmm. but i never really liked the taste of alcohol or the feel of it it was just one of those social things i did cuz i felt like Everyone else is right. doing it. So fucked up. But yeah. unfortunately, so many of us feel that way. I actually really love the taste of it. I just – it's fucked up for my mental health. So Wait, what do you love the taste of? Tequila? Oh, tequila. Vodka. Okay. Wine. Yeah. yeah. A, a dirty martini. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm here for the wine. The tequila makes me angry. I love tequila. But the next day, I'm an anxious, depressed person, and I had a kid nine months ago or ten months ago now, and I hate – like momming when I'm hungover. It's like, and I don't want to feel that way. Did you, so obviously the sobriety started when you were, well, not obvious, I don't know, but I'm assuming that the the sobriety started during your pregnancy. (laughs) Yes, but then I was drinking postpartum. Okay. Yeah. So So what made you decide, like what was the day or the moment that you were like, yeah, I'm done? I, I just did an episode on this. So people who listen to that, like you're hearing this again, but I basically just, I always felt like when I'd hear people talk about their lives not drinking, I was jealous. Mm. I'm like, that sounds wonderful. What would that feel like? That's glorious. And then I was like, wait, I can fucking do that. Like, I don't have to drink. Even though I love the taste, I hate the way it makes me feel. And I was never the person that wanted to, like, be clubbing late at night. Like, I'm an early person. My dream night is, like, going to an early dinner, coming home, taking an edible or smoking, like, watching a movie, eating ice cream, and getting in bed by, like, 10, 30, 11. Same. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's my vibe. Um And it was honestly just a weekend a few weeks ago where I had a late night and I was like, alcohol is not serving me. And I've been in a very emotional, anxious, depressive state in postpartum. And it just became very clear to me that it wasn't serving me. So I have no set goal of like, this is going to go on forever. This is going to go on for whatever, how many months, weeks. There's no end game plan. It's just like right now, not for me. 
I love that though. I love that you, yeah, thank you took the time to actually listen to yourself and be like, you know, this isn't for me. Well, that's the most important thing. And that's what I think we all should do more of. And that's also why I really like weed because I'm like, weed makes me a better fucking person. Same. Like I am more calm. I am way more creative. I feel like that little bit of just stress and pressure and weight lifted off of me. Like I thrive. Yeah. But there is so much stigma around it. Yeah. And it's fascinating for me. Once I started talking about it on my platform, it was like an influx of messages. Like, wait, oh my God, oh my God, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And especially now as a mom, like somehow mommy wine culture is A-OK for everyone. Yep. But the second I talk about taking an edible at night, people think I'm like the worst mom in the world. So there's a lot that needs to get done. But back to your relationship with cannabis – how did you then decide, like, I want to be in the cannabis industry? Because smoking weed is one thing and then, like, creating your own fucking flower is another. Yeah. So yeah. how did this happen? So, again, I'll, I'll take it back to when I moved to L.A., um, really immersed in counterculture at this point. This is probably, like, 2015. I'm posting about it. I'm going to all the events and the dispensaries. And a company in L.A. called Ease, their delivery service, um, they reached out to me. They had just started, I think it was like 2017 or 18, and they wanted to do an event. So they rented out, they rented out an Airbnb for me and a few of my friends. I think there were like 15 or 20 of us. And they provided flour and edible and cartridges. And they explained that you can take a tincture and like just it was so informative and educational. And everyone got really high and we loved it. That was my first it's like a dream. <laughs> It's like the best partnership I've ever had. No offense to anyone else. No, really? <laughs> so that kind of put the seed in my mind that, oh, just like I go to these little blogger and influencer things that are that have to do with beauty and fashion, um, the same can be true for cannabis. And so cut to pandemic, recently moved to New York from L.A. I think I moved here the end of 2019. And pandemic happened 2020. I didn't really have any friends who smoked out here. Mm -hmm. I was a lone stoner girl. So I started Black Girl Smoke as a way to connect with other people. Also, very important, my manager, because I have a manager, she was like, listen, you need to stop smoking weed on Instagram. These major brands are not going to want to work with you because it's illegal. And it was still illegal in New York mm -hmm. at the time. So that's really why I started the page was to connect with other women. But then also I couldn't like smoke keep it. it separate. Yeah, to keep it separate. And we've had incredible growth over two years. Within a year and a half, I had an investor approach me like, listen, you have this really great platform, but you're not selling anything. Mm -hmm. What about a product? And one of my business idols is Emily Weiss. I love everything that she's done with Into the Gloss and Glossier. I've been mm -hmm. following it since its inception. And I was like, you know, Black Girl Smoke could be that for cannabis. We could have this media platform, our version of Into the Gloss, and also have a product, our version of Glossier. And so that's how Good Day Floor was born. That's amazing. Thank you. And Good Day Floor, <laughs> for people who are listening who are not familiar, yeah. is a flower that you have created. Like, yeah. what is... 
What is that process like? Oh, it's so much. The rules, regulations, the laws that go into having a business that actually touches the plant, flower, Mm -hmm. or bud, weed, whatever you want to call it. Um, I've been really lucky because my investor is also my business partner. And he's been in this space for 15 years. He owns a facility in Northern California where they grow and cultivate. And so that is where all of our flower comes from. I was going to ask where it's being grown. Yeah. Right outside of Oakland, it's called Richmond, California. So we're grown there in a 40,000 square foot facility. Um, We are grown by people of color, cultivated by people of color, and then owned by me. Amazing. Thank you. Fucking awesome. For people who are listening, that and how many strains are there? We have four, but they're always changing because, okay. again, this is a plant. Right. So we have to wait for things to grow and dry and, you know, get packaged and delivered. So it is a long process. Mm-hmm. But right now we have four. And where can people get their hands on it? Nowhere yet. Okay. <laughs> um, by mid-June, we will be in dispensaries in L.A. and probably by September in dispensaries in the Bay. Okay. Yeah. Like, when is New York going to get their shit together? No one knows. Well, so have you ever been to Empire Cannabis Club? I have not. Have you heard of it? Yeah, they got shut down. When? Or they got... They got like busted and fined. I don't know if they're I was shut there down the though. other day. Oh, well, they do- oh, they didn't get <laughs> shut down, but they definitely like got fined. I saw something, and that's why I'm so confused on like what the hell is going to happen because like this is somehow working, but then like is it illegal? Is it not illegal? What it is, is the regulation? Absolutely illegal to sell. Right. It is legal. This is where it's fucked up. This is what I don't get because how have they? It's legal for you to buy. So I'm not going to get in trouble. No, but, but they would. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, it's legal to use. It's not not even legal to buy. It's legal to use in the state of New York. But where then are you buying it from if it's illegal to sell it? Right. And that's where you're fucking over the consumer because then it's shady. Like things that you don't know where these are coming from. You have no idea what's in this. You don't know who's selling it. Like that's the thing that I hate is that this is – a wonderful plant that can be so beneficial to so many people. So why can't we make it an easier process for people to access it? Also, yeah. like from a government perspective, there's so much fucking money That's on the, the table part. that you're leaving on the table from taxes. So like if you're so greedy, like I know you are, at least just like use this opportunity to make more money from taxes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Huh. I think they are. I think that New York is trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um. So they ha- they are issuing licenses. In order to be able to sell or deliver or grow it, you're going to need a license. And I think that New York, not even I think, I know that New York is still figuring out what that's going to look like, how much okay. they're going to cost, how many they're going to issue. So we're getting there. So we're getting there slowly but surely. So now that you are this CEO, founder of a like cannabis flower company – are you completely switching gears and like leaving the influencer content creator in your past? Or are you still doing both for now? Like what does that look like for you? I'm doing both now okay. because influencing is what pays my bills. Yeah. <laughs> Weed hasn't paid the bills yet. But I think essentially and ideally I would like to leave the influencer space. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll always be a creator. That's just innate to who I am and the way that I see the world and process it and share myself. But I don't think I want to do much campaign work anymore. It's t- kind of exhausting. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for over 10 years. I'm Holy tired. shit. Yeah, I've been doing this a long ass time. I'm tired. How did you originally get into it? You no, know, I started blogging in 2007. What? Before Instagram even existed. 
Yeah. I started blogging like, I don't know how long you've been doing this. Mm, Full time, four years. Okay. Yeah. So did you read blogs back in the day? Like, not really. I'm thinking where I was in 2007. I was still in high school. Oh, shit. You're a baby. I'm 30. Oh, you're a child. <laughs> okay. This makes sense now. Yeah, no, I was so in college. I'm thinking back. Like, in high school, no. In college, I don't think I was reading blogs either. But, like, right out of college, then I was, like, obsessed with the mind by degree and the well and good. Yes. The, okay. like, eater infatuation. And then, like, some of the top... It was when there were wellness influencers, like it was a new thing, and there were like 10 really well-known ones. Yes. Like we could all name the same people. And some of them are still around. Some of them are not. But yes, like those people I was obsessed with. That's literally how it started for me too. It was fashion people like Brian Boy and Fashion Toast and like these people going to sit, sit front row at like Fashion Week all off of a blog. So I started a blog in 2007. I closed that one down in 2010. But the one that I started in 2011, I still run that today. Like it's bigstyles.com, yeah. And was it focused originally on a lot of fashion and beauty? All fashion, 100% fashion. That's what, that was my love and my passion then, yeah. And you said this before we started and not cannabis related at all, but you are not buying anything new this year. And I'm like blown away. (laughs) No clothes, no accessories. No. What caused you to do that? You know, it's like my little stand against capitalism in a sense, I guess. I'm sure you know this. Being an influencer, content creator, we get a lot of shit. It's absurd. It's it's actually overwhelming. Oh, I say no to 99%. So do I. 99% I say no. I have And I hate, hate when people send me things without asking. Me too. And I don't mean to sound like a spoiled little brat, but I'm like, I don't want I don't want this. I don't have space for this. This is now wasted. I have to deal with unpacking it. Like, this is annoying. Yeah. And it's it it becomes wasteful because we it either is. throw it away, it expires, and then we throw it away, or we give it away. Um, and so because of that, I realized I don't need I don't need anything else. Not that I don't want other things. I absolutely, absolutely want new clothes and accessories, but I don't need them. And so it's also a challenge to myself. To just create in a different way. Let me recreate looks with things that I already have. I fucking love it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm really impressed. I mean, I could not do it. You could. I, 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 you're right. I could. <laughs> I'm just not going right. to. Right. <laughs> but you're right. I could. Um, no, but I am very impressed. And I have been trying lately to like look in my closet and be like, okay, what can I pair together that I haven't paired? And I also am very big on like I fucking sell a ton of shit. On where? Poshmark. Okay. I get rid – I just did a massive purge and I sell a ton. I also buy off of Poshmark yeah. a lot. Like the sneakers I'm wearing I bought off Poshmark. I just bought a new pair of Reformation jeans off of Poshmark because like you said, I think – I don't know if it's being a creator makes me hyper aware to it. And I also sometimes despise this aspect of the job where like I realize I'm playing a role in the issue because yep. I'm like – these are Selling the new- people. Yeah, like I am. Same. And that kind of fucks with my head a little. Yeah. I don't love that aspect. Same. Um, But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. I I don't know how you get around that. I mean. I mean, you just don't do this job. Yeah. I think that's what it is. You just don't. Because even with sustainability, right? Like Mm -hmm. Reformation is sustainable. The way that um, the clothes are processed, the way that they're made, the facility. 
But then at the end of the day, when you're making a million pieces of a unit, like how, and it needs to be shipped. Right. Like how sustainable is this really? You're still making more. Yeah. The other thing, like you're still producing. Exactly. So you're right. The nature of our job does not allow us to fully embrace Mm. a sustainable lifestyle. It doesn't. Unless... With the caveat, I will say, unless you're like a sustainable creator that's yeah. like not linking things, more like this is how – like that person who literally only had that jar of trash for a year. Yes. Do you remember that graphic yeah. that went viral? Yeah. Like that's separate. But it is something that I think about sometimes with this job of like I would like to do a better job at that because sometimes I think I'm just adding to the problem. Um, when it comes to – what you said, like the capitalist aspect is what led you to make this decision. I also find it interesting when we're talking about weed and we bring in capitalism and race, like there's a lot to be said on this topic. And, you know, it's something that I think about a ton where, and I'm not alone, I think many people think about this or are aware of it. There are so many people still sitting in jails and prisons, specifically people of color, for small, minor drug crimes, while now somehow the same thing that they're in jail for is legal and is primarily run by white men who are profiting. Yeah. Like, and that's a fucked up dichotomy. Oh, yeah. And I think that's why, A, like, I love what you're doing with Black Girl Smoke, where you are trying to, like, bring back, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but it almost feels as if from an outsider's perspective, it's, like, re-empowering people of color to, like, feel comfortable with this and own it and, like, not take back what's, but kind of, like, take ownership again. Someone sent this in, and it's actually a question I was going to ask also, and I love that one of you submitted this, and it's something I've spoken about with my husband. As a white woman, how do I use my white privilege when it comes to, like, destigmatizing weed? Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that question, you and whoever asked it. I think there's a few things that can be done. Um, I think one, when if you're in a state where consumption is legal and they do have dispensaries, mm-hmm. whenever you're purchasing, try to purchase from a BIPOC brand. Yeah. Um, that really helps us out a lot. You know, there are major brands like Cookies out there, but like shop from a smaller brand, a woman-owned company. That helps a lot. Um, also... So the way that I view and my view of culture is very limited from just my worldview, right? Mm. Um, I'm viewing it as a woman of color. My view of culture, whether it's music, sneakers, weed, it normally starts in the inner city with black youth. And then it trickles out. The same thing is happening with cannabis. Kids in... And everywhere, black kids everywhere have been smoking weed for a very long time. Not to say that white kids haven't either, Mm -hmm. um, but that's just the nature of what it is. We have, brown and black people have really created this cannabis culture. And so I think that by white women or any person that is not a BIPOC person, using the plant, educating your community, I think that is the way that you destigmatize it. Just make it more normal. Mm-hmm. Because if someone likes like you does it and the the white man, whoever that is, <laughs> 
becomes more comfortable because you are more adjacent to that privilege. He can relate to you a little bit more. Now they become more comfortable with the idea of cannabis. It no longer is ghetto or dirty or unladylike because they already don't associate you with those other stigmas. Then that grace will sort of trickle out to the rest of us. It's unfortunate, but that's the way that it is, that it's going to take people that look like you to stand up for this plant, to stand up for this movement, because in turn, it will help people like me. Mm -hmm. And I think I had this conversation with Joe because he is not on social media and he's a very private person. Um, Yeah, he lives like the dream, not being on social (laughs) media. But he... Every once in a while will be next to me if I'm, like, recording something. And the other night we were finishing dinner and I was like, I'm just going to record this TikTok quickly. And I opened it and I was like, I just had the dream night of, like, I took an edible, a shower, washed my hair, made mac and cheese for dinner, and I'm in my pajamas. And Joe's like, do you really think it's necessary to say you took an edible? And I was like, well – no one would judge me if I was said that entire thing and I had a glass of wine in my hand. So why do I have to hide the fact that I took an edible? And he's like, I don't know. It's just people have a lot of opinions. And I was like, yeah, but as a white woman, if I can come on here and say that comfortably, like isn't that kind of then using my white privilege of like this is what I look like and I'm still partaking in cannabis to break down that stigma? And he's like, yeah, it is. But – At the same time, while I can inherently understand that, and that's, like, one of the reasons why I talk about it so much, and I feel sometimes, like, I'm almost talking about weed too much where people are like, we fucking get it, you smoke. (laughs) But it's still, like, what you said is so true. It just makes me feel so icky that that's the reality. Yeah. I mean, it it sucks, but it is part of the reality. When we look at other movements, right, when we look at prohibition, even when we look at the women's rights movement, um, there were two classes of people that could have gotten voting rights and voting power. There were women and there were also black people. And I think Sojourner Truth actually said something, I'm going to misquote it, but I'm going to summarize it along the lines of someone asked her, why are you supporting women's suffrage when you're a black woman? You should be supporting black people's Mm -hmm. right to vote. And she was like, well, at the end of the day, I'm a woman first. I am also black, but I'm a woman. And I know, this is what she said, basically, I know that if I support this movement and if these women get the right to vote, we are next. Yeah. And so I feel the same way in sorts about cannabis. Um, You using your platform, again, it just just helps the rest of us, you know? It opens up the conversation um, and it creates a little bit more comfort and makes it more palatable for the people who wouldn't normally be open to it. Well, I think that's the most important thing is opening the conversation because I get a lot of messages that are like, I've never seen someone like you so openly talk about smoking weed. And I'm like, well, that's the issue is that like we all have this perception of what it looks like to be – a I have goosebumps head. now. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it. you imagine this, like, it, it, the person who's on the couch who's like a stoner that can't get up, that's eating all the food, like binging movies, can't get anything done. Meanwhile, like, literally every piece of my content that performs well is a thought that I had the night before when I'm high. Boop. Yep. Like, without fail. Yeah. Without fucking fail. I mean, cannabis is the new liquor, right? Like, yeah. people weren't allowed to drink liquor right 
And so, and I just imagine that like the people like you back then, I don't know when prohibition stopped, um, but I, I, just, I just imagine that like there were these cool swanky like speakeasies and like all the cool like trendsetting people were going there drinking their liquor and then everyone else came on board and now it's been hundreds of years and we're making millions of dollars off of liquor and I think that weed is going to be the same. Yeah, especially because that was off of a poison. Right. <laughs> and this is an actual plant. Yes. Do you partake in any other drugs? Yeah. What else? Lay it on me. Well, what are you comfortable sharing? Um, I do shrooms. I do okay. mushrooms. I just did them for the first time. Really? Facet- yeah. Are you two times? Were you micro dosing, or did you go on like a full journey? Well, the goal was okay. So the I've been really interested in them for the past three years. Okay. And I wanted to go on a full journey. I was like, I want to have these hallucinations. <laughs> I want to like figure out the purpose of my life. Like I've had I've struggled with mental health my entire life and I just really thought that like it would be this euphoric moment so I had this whole plan with my husband like he was going to be my safety like we had it all laid out did he do it too well no I found out I was pregnant the night before oh shit literally yeah (laughs) plot twist I ended up finding out I was pregnant the night before the only reason I took a pregnancy test it was a surprise pregnancy. I was having really bad cramps. And I was like, could it be? That'd be what? wild. But like, I guess I should check if I'm going to do shrooms. Yeah. Welcome oh to the world, Liam. So that was two years ago now, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and so then I've just been waiting for the right moment. And it happened for the first time I did um, the other, what, month now? I went on like a mom's trip with my three girlfriends to my parents' beach house alone. And I really wanted the like trip experience. Yeah. And I didn't get it. I don't know if it was because they were in chocolate form. Like I want to do a whole episode on shrooms um, with like someone in that field to talk about this. But then I did them at a wedding and I fucking love them. You did them at a wedding? Like the wedding had them there? No, no, no. Oh, okay. (laughs) But I was microdosing. That was like a microdosing experience. Okay, yes. But wow, wonderful. Yeah. I, yo, they changed my life. Yeah? Fungi saved me. So I love them. Tell us everything. So my first time doing them was two years ago. Very afraid, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I smoke weed. That's it. I don't know anything about this other shit. (laughs) What is this? Um, And I just kept thinking about, like, a dare class. Like, cannabis, weed is the gateway drug. And so I'm, like, gearing up to take these shrooms. Like, is this it? Am I going to be addicted? Like, what am I? I don't know. What the fuck am I getting myself into? So I take it. I was upstate New York, um, mm-hmm. outside, beautiful, most perfect summer day. And I don't even know how to describe to anyone the euphoria I felt. Everything was beautiful. The grass was like, it felt like the warmest, coziest like coat that you could ever put on. Like, everything was beautiful and enhanced. And I felt so connected to the earth. Mm-hmm. And then I did it again, maybe like a year later. Um, so I've gone on three actual like journeys and all of them have been really beautiful. The last one I did, I did inside of a place. It wasn't outside in nature and I didn't love that as much. Yeah. Um, but I do microdose. Um, okay. my, my partner is very well versed in plant medicine. He administers it. He can teach you about it. He makes it. Um, yes. And so he's been walking me through an actual, the correct way to microdose because there is a protocol that you right. should be following. Um, and I love it. I think that it makes me more sharp. It makes me more creative. I've never taken Adderall, but I imagine that microdosing is very similar to that. I am just hyper-focused. 
Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. We're, we're, I'm going to be texting you all. Yes, please. <laughs> no, but I also think this is another thing. I do think that like there's a shroom movement coming as well as like the weed movement is happening and as it becomes more popular and more legalized in states and more accepted and destigmatized. I think shrooms are very close behind. I agree. I think weed is the gateway drug, but in a good way. Right. It's not the it, you're not doing meth after you're No. Like, it's just very different. No, it opens up your mind and your spirit. I don't know if you guys are are spiritual people, but mm-hmm. it opens up your mind and your spirit to other possibilities and I think that mushrooms do the same thing. I think that what's happening is we over the past few hundred years have seen how detrimental western medicine is mm-hmm. and western culture revolving food and or er, er, er not revolving herbs is and i think we're tired of it we're like yeah. no there are other ways there are better ways to do some of this shit that we're doing how do we do that mushrooms you guys been using that for thousands of years let's try that now <laughs> you know that, that that's kind of what i think it is no i agree and i'm someone who very much like believes in both and pulls from both. And that is why I fully believe in cannabis and now mushrooms. I'm like, these are amazing plants that we can do fucking incredible things with. Um, Another listener question was, how do you have conversations with others to destigmatize cannabis use? Like, what does that look like if you're having a conversation with someone who is very anti-weed, anti that whole movement, like how do you try to change? I don't know if it's changed their mind or educate them. I think that I start by asking a lot of questions. Why don't you like this? Have you had or have you experienced any trauma surrounding the plant? Because for some people, it's a very like visceral, emotional response. Like maybe someone is locked up and they are just like, fuck that. I don't want anything to do with it. So I start there. And then I sort of read the room and figure out like, okay, is this like a trauma response? If so, I don't really have the energy to get into that. But if it's just you're misinformed, then I ask more questions. Well, why don't you like it? What do you think that it does to you? And then I go from there, right? Like, oh, it makes you hallucinate. Actually, it doesn't. Oh, it's not good for you. Smoking's not good for you. Well, perhaps inhaling the smoke isn't, but then I go into other aspects of the cannabis plant. Um, I think that the way to really shift the narrative for the people in your life um, is education. Like, talk to them. This is a plant. Yes, it is a drug, but then explain what a drug is. Caffeine is also a drug. Sugar is also a drug. So I think just being really knowledgeable about it and being able to answer any questions or at least point them in the direction, right? Like, oh, I don't have the answers, but here's a page, here's a book, here's a website that may have the answers for you. Mm-hmm. It is interesting because a lot of people ask me, they're like, oh, do, what do, you, like, do your parents know you smoke so much? Like, what did Joe's parents think? And I'm like, you guys, you have to realize that they all follow me. So everything you're consuming, <laughs> like me talking about shrooms and edibles, like they are very aware and yeah. they're not learning about it on my platform. Like they know this and they're comfortable with it because they understand. Like we've had conversations. Also, they're coming from an era where, like, it was more normalized when they were kids. Yeah. So, like, of course they get it. Um, I also think another thing, just, like, on the conversation of stigma, what I say a lot to specifically white people who have these thoughts is, like, a lot of the negative thoughts are really rooted in racism. Absolutely. Like, if you're – Willing to have, if the person is willing to have that conversation, I think that's a really good one to have because it's a very eye opening experience for the person to recognize that, like, you know, 
what we've learned specifically over the past two years is that it's one thing to be not racist and it's one thing to be Mm anti-racist, right? So a lot of these people think that they're not racist because they're not going around saying racial slurs or whatever. But a lot of our thoughts are rooted in racism that we now just have believed for so long to be normal. And I think that's important work to like peel back those layers with them and be like, but this is actually why you think this. Like go back to all the way, like talk about the war on drugs. Yeah. Like there's so much to be said there. And I do think that that's a very large role. I can speak for a white, the white community of why so many people have stigma against weed. No, absolutely. It was designed to Mm -hmm. be stigmatized. And I think a lot of people don't know that, that they have known for a long time that this plant isn't as bad as it was said to be. But um, a lot of things go into that, right? If you look at America as a business, um, the lowest paid or non-paid workers are prison workers. Mm -hmm. And the easiest way to get them to work is to get more bodies in prison and why not do it with this plant? You know, yep. it's 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 and a, primarily lock up who's smoking this plant. Exactly. Who's smoking, who's selling, who has it in their possession. Um, and that's literally being done just so that we can fuel the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the reason now why we see the government starting to to take a stance is that they found a new way to make money. Oh, wait, we don't have to lock you up to make this money. We can just legalize it and then tax you out the ass for it. Okay, cool. Let's like... Let's change That's a PR move. Yeah, then. let's change let's change the narrative around the plant now, but it's kind of fucked because we've already been so ingrained and conditioned to look at the plant and the people who consume and sell the plant in a certain way. Um, and they've just le- left that part out of it, right? Mm-hmm. They're gonna rejuvenate and have this revival over the plant, but what about the people? Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing of why do we think crack and cocaine are two separate drugs? Because it was a narrative given to us to lock up primarily black and brown people. I also think when we talk about using your white – our white privilege as white people in this space, something that I have committed to doing is if I am purchasing cannabis in whatever form it might be – Decide for yourself. I'm not going to give you what number it is, but be like, every time I purchase, I will donate a percent, whatever percent that might be, to a charitable organization. Mine specifically is the Last Prisoner Project. Yes. Because we're now, as white people, enjoying this product that people are still serving prison sentences for. Absolutely. So I do think that that's another way for the listener, like – as long as this is something you agree with. Yeah. Like, I think that that's another way that you can put your money where your mouth is. No, absolutely. Um, there's also a collective called the Florette Coalition. Okay. Um, and what they do is you can pledge like an amount for three months. I think the minimum is $50, but it will automatically come out. And every month they choose a different organization um, to donate to. And so if you're looking, like, yeah. that could also be that's something. That's great. I'll put that in the show notes because I haven't heard of that. Dope. Um, what are you most excited for? Next steps with Good Day Floor. So I'm excited to get in dispensaries. Um, I think that's going to be a huge move. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for New York licensing. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like or what that's going to be, but we do have big plans. If we do get a license, we'd yeah. like to create a really cool space for women to come and feel safe to shop and buy weed in. 
Um, and then I don't know when this episode is airing, but Black Girl Smoke is doing a really big 420 party um, at Amazing. Prospect Park. It's free to come and we're open to all gendered or non-gendered people, all races, all ages, as long as you're over 21. I actually was going to ask you this. Black Girl Smoke, right? Yeah. I fucking love what you're doing. Thanks. I follow from the sidelines. I'm like, this is awesome. And I've looked at your website. I'm on your email distribution. So oh I get notifications God. about the events and stuff. But as a white woman, is that my place to attend an event like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I actually, I want to ask you, are you comfortable following? How do you feel about the content being someone who's not of color? I love it. Okay. I'm all for it. I'm very comfortable following. Perfect. I think it's fucking awesome. I think it's needed. I think it's inspiring. I think it's beautifully done. So I'm all for it. But I also am trying to realize where I have a place to be and not to insert myself in a place that's not meant for me. Okay. And so that's why, like, I looked at, there was one, like, a journaling event that yeah. I was looking at when I got an email about it. And I was like, oh, that'd be sick. And then I was like, I don't know if that's the, like, if that's somewhere that I should insert myself into. Okay. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And I don't know if there's an answer. No. I don't know. So we were created to make or to help Black women feel more comfortable in this mm -hmm. space but not necessarily to alienate anyone else. Like we love when all races come to our yeah. events and pull up. I think it's really dope just to see the impact. Mm -hmm. um, I had an older woman who is Jewish tell me one day, this is recently, she was like, yo, if you ever have like dog walkers or anything, white girls are going to be smoking it. Like white girls are going to be following the page. And I, at the time I was like, really, you think so? But I love it because it, mm -hmm. again, it wasn't created to alienate anyone. It was just like, let me put this group of people at the forefront of course. and everyone else can for sure be here. I think in my mind, it's kind of like when you not now, but maybe like 10 years ago, you would flip through a Vogue magazine and mm -hmm. there would maybe be like four or five or six black women, but like mm -hmm. the rest would be other women. So Black Girl Smoke is kind of like that, right? Yeah. Like we will have like our token, I don't know if this is fucked up to say, but like. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like for the first time, not for the first time, but unlike what we are used to, yeah. the majority being shown and like posted about or whatever, are going to be black women. Yes. It's not like, is that what you mean? Yeah, that's that exactly yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. But I want you to come to Puff in the Park. Let me know if you're coming. Oh my You're'd God. Well, great. on 420, this is so fucking sad. I'm getting an endoscopy and a colonoscopy. Oh shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the only date they could do. I was actually really fucking pissed off. Wow. Um, it's the only date they could do. So I cannot make that, that's fine. but I will absolutely be making a future event. Okay, cool. And also we just need to hang out and smoke and together. And smoke. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on here. I love the direction that this, it was so many different directions. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is of incredible. Course. For people listening that want to support you and everything you're doing, where is the best place to follow you? Um, at The Vic Styles is my personal, at Black Girl Smoke or at Good Day Floor. Um, and yeah. our websites are all the same, just our names. So easy. Everything will be in the show notes. Definitely check it out. As we said, like as a white woman, I'm here for this fucking content. I love it. I love what you were doing. I think it's awesome. And I'm all for the destigmatization of this wonderful plant. Thank you. Likewise. Smoke sesh soon. Yes. <laughs> fuck it. Maybe we'll have like a freckled foodie family, big, like good day floor event yeah. once everything is. That know. would be dope. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> we're putting out in the universe. <laughs>
Thank you so much. You're welcome, love. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. 